if you listen a couple weeks ago, there was an interview that I had with Allison, and we talked about Ikejime. It was very, very late in the episode. We've been talking on and off a little bit, and she brought up a great point that we need to bring that back, and we need to bring it to the forefront. Uh, after doing it for a few weeks now, I am completely and 100% sold on this, and I believe in it, and I'm going to be doing it for the rest of my life. And we're going to talk more about that today. So sit down, relax. Here you go. We're going into some really good educational stuff on finding demo surfishing. Let's get after it. Yo, another week. It's going to be a good one. Hope you're doing well wherever you may be. Hopefully you're on the beach fishing, enjoying the day. If you're driving or doing any of that gym stuff, hey, hopefully this gets you going. But this week's episode is 100% education, and we are really digging in on the topic of Ikejime. Again, you've heard the episode before. Uh, if you haven't, you missed out, but this is going to be your masterclass. We're really going to dig in here, and we honestly felt it needed this. So uh, without me flapping my jibs for the next 30 minutes, praising it, let's go ahead and just get right after it. Allison, welcome back to the show. Good to talk to you again. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Excited to uh, to dive into this subject. <laughs> hey, I'm, again, I've said it to you before and I'll say it again. I am super thankful that you even brought it up in the episode and we're making it something bigger and bigger in this because y you sold me on it before as an idea and then after doing it for a couple weeks here, I fully understand now it's not just about a considered kill. It's not just about the dispatching. It's really, there is a much bigger piece to this pie and I know we're going to talk heavily about it here. So, uh, I'm gonna pass it over to you here. Let's get right into the beginning because let's start at the let's start at the top after the catch. You got the fish on. Let's go. Yeah, hit me up. Let's play. So before we get into the actual steps, I just want to give a brief summary so that people know what we are talking about in general. Okay. We are talking about something called the Ikejime method. Uh, it started in Japan. It is popular for large pelagic species and in particular commercial fishermen. And although it does kill or dispatch the fish, the primary intent of the Ikejime method is to harvest the highest quality catch possible. What I have been, as what I've realized in talking to a lot of recreational anglers, not to necessarily convince you of something, but to share information and give you the opportunity to try it yourself or talk about it and discuss it and possibly improve the catch that you take home, the quality of that catch. So, I felt what I realized was that we spend so much time and energy and money on gear and tackle and talking about fishing and bait and where should we go and then actually going fishing and then catching it. Why would we not want to complete the circle 
and discuss the best way to harvest this fish, the best ways to fillet it, the best ways to store it. And a lot of people love the hook and cook. So we do talk about different recipes, but let's really get into that. Um, some of the best recipes, you know, depending on what the species are or other seasonal seasonal vegetables or different types of um, different types of cuisine. So that completing that circle, I think, is something everybody could understand. Nice. Okay. Well, and you're bringing up great points because that's the aftermath. You know, we're we're talking after the hook and cook. We're we're getting there, but the the most important piece you really wanted to get out there was the whole process. Um, and that's where I know I screwed up a couple times when I was posting uh, and I was talking about it. I know I was like, oh, hey, it's this, this, and this. And you, thankfully, and I appreciate you for this, you, you called me out like, hold on, dude, you're going a little too far. But the nice thing was, too, is we've talked several times since the episode. Um, you've kind of, I don't want to say spoon-fed, but I prefer to say it like that. You, you broke it down to me in steps um, where I was, yes. you know, happy with the Ikejime and then working into Shige. And, and I was like, okay, cool. I've got this down. And then it was, I'm, I'm enjoying this piece. And you're like, well, okay, here's a new part. You need to do this. And I was like, huh, okay. I forgot about that. Um, and it, it, it's all come together full circle. So what do we, where do you want to start here? So what you're saying is very important. You do not have to go zero to a hundred. Once you implement each step and become more comfortable with it or see the results side by side, compare your pompano, for example, to, as to what you're used to and, and to the new process. And then if you enjoy it and you see the value, continue to add more steps. So that, that's what we did. And I think that's important for everyone to know, to not be intimidated by it or overwhelmed. So yeah. next thing is let's talk about the main steps and definitions of Ikejime method, because I think some of the words are a little bit intimidating or confusing or unfamiliar. <laughs> All right. Let's right? Get, let's so get. Ikejime method, step one is the brain spike, which is Ikejime. So if you hear someone say, I did the Ikejime, that means they used the brain spike. The second step is to cut the gills and to bleed out the fish and the third step is to use the um the wire the shinke wire which is called shinke jime and the wire is essentially um destroys the spinal cord so and then the final step would be ice slurry in the cooler so that everyone can understand the See the forest for the trees and understand the the bigger concept it's you, i catch the fish i immediately use the brain spike then i have a bucket of water on standby i cut the gills and while the heart is still beating for a few minutes after the brain spike that's the optimal time to bleed it out so it's brain spike cut the gills bleed it out while the heart's still still beating in the water bucket then what's worked for me is to then go put my baits back out and you have that 15 minute maybe plus or minus window to go back and do the wire 
So I will put my baits back out while the, while the fish is bleeding out in the bucket. And then I come back and I do the wire. So um, to, let's talk about how you implement each step. So to use the brain spike and to find the brain, it is above and behind the eye. And it can also be found by following the lateral line to behind the eye to that area. And then you insert the spike. And when you hit the brain and touch it, you will notice the fins flare up, the mouth, the jaw drops open, or the eyes kind of twitch. And it's like a reflex. And so when you do hit it correctly, you will know that you hit it. Yeah, you definitely you, know. It's, it's okay, very Okay, so tell apparent. me about your experience. So I've only been able to do it on, well, I did it on the bluefish, and that was hell. Um, we'll get to that. So for Pompano, uh, what I have found, uh, I get the fish down, I follow the lateral line up, and what I'm looking for is I go close after the lateral line, you lose it. I look for the soft spot right behind the eyeball. Um, and there's a little bit of a dimple uh, I've noticed, and that's where I normally uh, poke straight through. And that is, uh, I would say, 8 of 10 that I've caught, uh, I've hit it on the first. There's been a couple that I had to move back a little. I went a little bit too far. But even still, um, you hit it, and it was an instantaneous. The dorsal fins, the spikes instantly came up. The mouth opened, and uh, the pectoral fins a couple times also flared. That, that's what I've seen with Paul. Mm -hmm. uh, with the blue, yeah. blue was a little bit uh, harder to find the brain. Um, but uh, I got it on the second poke. Uh, same, same thing, dorsal, uh, mouth, and just uh, went limp. The hardest thing that I ran into with the bluefish was doing the shinke wire. Um, the soft tissue really didn't like following the spine. Um, I had a heck of a time with that. Uh, the pompano has been fine. Um, what I've noticed uh, is you do the cut on the tail. You just do a gentle one down until you can feel the spine. And then you basically just finish off there, but you don't go harder. And then I'll pick the fish up. And I'll be able to peel the tail open and expose the cavity. That way I know I can't, uh, I haven't gone through the tail, so I'll be able to keep it. And I know we're going to talk about why that's important here later on in the episode. Uh, so I'm able to keep it intact and then run the wire down, severing all the nerves. And one thing I will say, it's very important for all of you out there, to, if you're going to do this, please do not forget when you do this wire, the fish's nerves are going to fire. The fish is going to flop. So you need to be able to hold on to the fish as you do this wire because they will move quite a bit. Okay. So let me tell you that when you're doing, let's go back to the spike. Okay. So when you um, insert the spike the first time, if you don't get it straight down, I kind of tilt it a little bit and angle it. And, and a lot of times I'll get it to puncture the fish again. Which way are you are you angling towards the the front? Like you bring the handle backwards so the poke goes. I, you the... can just rotate it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've done I that. I just a I'm bit. saying once I go in, then if I'm not exactly on it, but I know I'm very close, then I'll rotate it in the direction where I think it probably, like you said, a little bit behind. So then I'll you know angle it a little bit behind, and then normally boop, I'll get it. I just think that's probably a better choice than multiple punctures because every time that you puncture the skin is an opportunity for contamination yep and that, so that you do want to limit that 
Yeah, good call. Uh, one thing I did find, uh, and this was thanks to Smitty, uh, we were on the beach. We found some driftwood. A nice two by four piece was there. Um, I'm actually going to core it out so that way I can put the fish on there and I have a surface that I can go directly through. Uh, from where cool. I've been doing it on the cooler, you know, you hit the cooler and you stop and you're like, all right, that works. Yeah, but... you don't need to go all the way through because the brain's halfway oh, okay. in the middle. So, say, is it's kind of reminiscent of a shrimp where you can see the, the black spot there? That it's right between the, the eyes. Okay. Um, and when you do larger fish, like I've been doing offshore, I have to go in through the top between the eyes that I can't really, I normally don't get it from the side. Once a fish gets a certain size, I go through the, the top. Yeah, you're, you're getting some monsters right now. I love the last ones I saw on Facebook. I was like, yeah, you're, you're getting after it. Not to mention the wire is, we'll get there, but dang. <laughs> so yeah, no. Wire. So it it's cool. And yes, when I did so, pompano is a great fish to learn on because of the meat not being as flaky as say the bluefish, a snapper, or like when I did the sheep set. Uh -huh. So the pompano that, that it's just a great opportunity to learn on. So I think that's optimal, you know, for a lot of surf fishermen. To start there. Uh, okay, so we have the brain spike. You can find it either in the middle of the eye or you can use, as Brian said, there's a dimple there or you can follow the lateral line. And if you don't hit it directly the first time, you can angle it and normally you will see the reflex reaction or the flared fins or the mouth dropping open as, as we both mentioned. The second step, so the heart continues to beat for a few minutes after you hit it with the spike. And like I said, if I'm on the boat, I already have the bottle, the bucket of ocean water right there normally at my feet if I'm on the head boat um, or just in the stern corner if it's, if, it's, uh, if it's our boat. And then when I am on the beach, I keep a bucket of water anyway because sometimes I'll put, if I get a little live bait or I'll catch like a little croaker or something, I'll put it in there so I can get my live bait rig ready and not have to be fumbling around with, with my, with my bait. So I keep, I, yeah, or wash your hands, you know? So I kind of keep the, the bucket of water ready anyway. So you catch the fish, you do the spike, you use, I use scissors, not a knife, and I cut the gills and then I bleed it out in that ambient temperature um, water bucket. And if you can imagine a cold cooler, will make the blood coagulate and it makes vasoconstriction, you know, creates vasoconstriction. So when you do, even if you cut the gills and put it in an ice cooler, it might bleed out a little bit, but it's really not allowing the fish to um, purge the, the blood and pot potential bacteria and toxins in there. So I just think that's kind of a um, more important step than some people realize. Yeah. And so speaking of the ice cooler, we used an example that, yes, a lot of people put their fish on ice or in a slurry, and they think that that is a proper way of storing, you know, harvesting the fish. But it is a passive death, and the fish is suffocating because it cannot breathe in ice or an ice slurry. And so when it is dying, 
it is exerting a lot of energy. And in doing so, it's basically starting the comp decomposition process. And so that is, although we've all done that for many years or a variation of that, you know, this, um, this is just a few extra steps before you get there that makes a huge difference uh, in the taste and the smell um, and the visual, honestly, of, of the meat. Yep. It, it's easy, though. I guess I shouldn't say that. It, it's, it's hard to break old habits, but in doing so with this, we're telling you that really makes a huge difference, and it's going to be worth it. It's just, you know, it's a learning a new process. So that bucket, I mean, almost all of us have the bucket. So uh, that's one of the biggest ones that I've found. Even a half full bucket will do just fine. You just got it from the water. Just don't forget, you know, don't leave the fish in there. Like Allison said, you're what, 15 minutes maybe, if that at the most? Yeah, no, I think 15, 20 minutes, you're fine. Yeah. I've Because honestly, I caught the yellow jack the other day and I put a bait out and I got almost an instant bite. And then by the time I got that fish in, spiked it and bled it, I was like, oh, got to go back and do the wire. And so I wired the yellow jack and he still, I still got the shiver out of him. So I know that I, that I got the spinal cord. Um, so let's talk about the wire before I digress. So okay. yes, I would say 15, 20 minutes. Um, so, so far we've talked about the general definition and we've talked about the physical steps to take to implement this process. And then I think we can talk about some of the, the more detailed reasons of, of the process the fish is going through. But to actually insert the Shinke wire, which is after you bled it out in the bucket, I used a, a small bait knife and I made a cut in the tail. So the spine of the fish is the vertebrae and there is a small hole on the top side the dorsal fin side of the fish directly above the spinal vertebrae in that hole which is called the neural canal is where the shinke wire is inserted when you insert it you will get a shivering or a twitching or the flared fins and as Brian said, you need to be holding onto the fish because it is going to flop. What you are doing is destroying the spinal cord, which is inside that neural canal. The effect of that is delaying rigor mortis. Um, and we can get into the, the why that's important um, after. One thing I wanted to add when you were saying you make a small incision first and then um, you break the tail open it is if you can picture vertebrae bones stacked on top of each other, like ours, that are connect, you know, have connective tissue, but they're individual bones. So what I've realized is it's impossible to line up the knife right exactly in between two of the vertebrae <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's not a so okay right so what i do is you make that small incision and then it's more like snapping the chicken wing okay i've kind of gone in there and i put my my right thumb right on the tail incision and grip that and then i snap 
the vertebrae where it naturally wants to snap between two of the bones. And then I get a much clearer cut view and view of the spinal vertebrae and the canal. So try that. Okay. It's just, it's obvious, but I didn't realize that at first I was like using the knife more than realizing I needed to chicken wing. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so that that's what's worked for me. And and I was using a um, like a roll up silicone cutting board mat from the kitchen that was kind of old. So you can use that for bait. It's great actually because you can scrub it and you can roll it up and put a rubber band on it. Um, but I had a couple of them, like the color coded ones. And so now I said, oh, I'll just bring this other one with me. And I'll use that when I do the spike and wire just so I can make sure I always have a clean surface. That's really that's smart. I like that. I mean, having a travel kit's never a bad thing for doing that. So let's while we're talking about this, let's also go into the legal side that is definitely important for us to mention. Um, so it was brought up before, and you have clarification on this, so we're, let's do this. Uh, Cutting, doing the tail cut on the beach of a pompano or other protected species. So I'm, I'm going to pass it to you on this because you you spearheaded that. You got the information. But the good news is the bottom line up front, everybody, is there's it's good. We can do this on the beach. So go right ahead. Um, I am going to nitpick and change the um, word you just used, the... It's not a regulated, it's not a protected species, but I'm just going to say regulated species. Okay, good call. Um, so I was just actually just looking for the email, but I don't see it. Essentially, what I asked FWC, because there is specific language that permits removing the gills, and maybe even it says invisceration. Um, and so I asked if the tail cutting could be permissible under the same intent of cleaning and harvesting the fish properly. And they said that it was not considered mutilation. It was allowable that they saw that intent that as long as still met regulations intact and was identifiable, for example, the species, then, it, then we were good. So to break it down, you cannot cut the tail off of a pompano that may be less than 11 inches. They need to make sure they know it's a pompano and they need to make sure it's 11 inches or greater from the fork. So as long as you're within proper FWC seasons and regulations for whatever location you're fishing, you're good. There you go. So you guys are good. Just don't make, just make sure you keep the tail intact. Keep it attached to the fish. That's the most important piece if you're not taking anything else away. Make sure the tail's there. Please yeah, don't get like yourself I said, in trouble. If you're, doing, if you're doing the chicken wing and you're not doing the, the cutting, you know, then it actually, I honestly haven't had an issue where I've had a full severance. And I, that hasn't happened to me. Yeah, me neither. Right. Out of all the ones, yeah, my cut... I guess I should have said my words better, but my cut, basically, I stop as soon as I get through the skin and I feel the spine. Basically, I stop, and then I guess I do the chicken wing because I do pop it open. But, yes, the nice and easy, all good. Okay, so now we've broken the tail. 
we've we've covered the FWC requirement. And again, for your wherever you're listening to this, this is Florida that we're talking about. Don't forget to take a look at your local regulations. It's also the important thing. We have not reached out to any other of the states for any other clarification. So please don't say, well, in Florida, you know, yeah, that's Florida. Just make sure you're checking your stuff out. This can be done throughout the world, and it is done. So we know that, you know, that th- this works. But I'm sorry, I had to throw that out there before somebody said something. Oh, somebody's always going to say something. There is. You, you can't. <laughs> it, stop trying to please everybody. It's not going to happen. I'm not a people pleaser anymore. Well, I don't, no, I don't think I am. But damn. It, it, it's so much painful when it's like, well, it doesn't work. Like, really? We need to do this? Come on, man. Just work with nope. me here. We're not doing it anymore. <laughs> um, All right. Sorry. So, Digression. We're good at no, that. No, that's okay. Uh, before, I just want to say there is some information on the internet. I, I personally like to go to a primary source. I don't trust YouTubers and things like that. Even for my knots and cast nets, I go to a primary source. So I recommend you do too. A lot of the really good advanced information is not in English. Um, but ecogemefederation.com, um, you can get both information and tools there. I have a discount code for 25% off. It's my Instagram name, Real Love FL plus Ecogeme. So it's Real Love FL Ecogeme. Brian's going to put it in the comments or the notes. You can go there for information, and there's a few other sites. Um, also, this month's issue of Florida Sports Fishing Magazine has an interview um, with the founder of the Ikejime Federation, and he discusses a lot of things that we talked about today. Um, so there's beginning to be more available resources and information um, for the average recreational angler. So speaking of commercial versus recreational anglers, I want to make a point that this is, like I mentioned, something that's been in practice for commercial fishing for a long time because they see the bottom line when they sell their fish. So when the fish is properly harvested and it's of the higher quality, these guys get paid significantly more money. So for them, it's a no-brainer. They see the value and they see it in dollars. And it is a little bit tougher to have the average recreational angler see, because they're happy with the fish the way they are now, to see the value of going through these extra steps. And it does sound like a lot. And like Brian and I are both going through this learning process. and We've both practiced a few of the basic steps. And by the time you've done you know, a handful of Pompano, you basically have a system down and then you just tweak it a little bit and it really doesn't take that much extra time. So I just think that's a very good visual for people to understand that the same value is there. It's just you need to take the initiative if you want to experience it. Um, so I give you a little bit more of the scientific processes that occur, which is one of the reasons why we we take these extra steps. Um, But it's a lot of big words. And so I wanted to make sure that anyone um, that wants to go back and and review kind of um, has some resources to do that. So 
that those are where I would point people to, to check out. Absolutely. Well, while you're saying that, you know what time it is? <laughs> Go get it. Go get it. Get run, the, Brian. Get the fishing. I, I want to see you run. Uh, <laughs> is that beach Beach cardio. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much what it is. That's my PT now. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It's bait check time. It's a couple minutes past it, but it's still good. So if you haven't done so yet and you're on the beach and you're fishing and you're listening to this, make sure it's been 28 minutes. We're a little late, but that's okay. Get out there. Go check that bait. Come on back. Hit play and get back into it. It's always important to make sure you're checking that bait. All right. Sorry. As I digress. Now, so we've, okay. so we've hit the process here. Okay. We've done the brain spike. We've cut the gills. We've bled the fish out. We've left it in our bucket. We've pulled it out of our bucket after a nice 15 minutes. We know it's bled out. Now we're going in. We're going to cut the tail. We're going to do the wire. We get the wire done. Um, in between this next step, and this is where I wanted to go with this next part, we've done the wire. It's all severed, and it's good to go. One thing that I didn't get a chance to ask you, and I saw uh, SC with Kate do this. Uh, well, I think I did. The gutting of the fish at that exact point. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's it. Okay. So before I fillet, I got the fish. Right. And you can, so the, the gutting of the fish, I mean, the, the cavity, the organs in the cavity are where all of that bacterial and bile and blood are. are. So once you remove, if you remove the, the organs and the gills immediately, then there's no chance at seepage and, um, you know, any type of bacterial infection, you know, infiltration, contamination. Okay. So I, I think that, that it's great that she does that. And I think that's an extra step that you can decide if it's appropriate at that time. I don't do that typically on the boat. Um, but that's maybe I would should try it and just compare it. I, I just was wondering that because it, it got my eye when I was thinking about it. But after we do that, okay, so let's back up, we'll, you know, negate that step. Sure. Leave it off. So we've done the wire. No, I'll... that's that's fine. It's, you know, and that's important to talk about because, for example, if you fillet your fish and you see that yellow, you, you touched an organ with your knife. And that's contamination. That's bile. And I've seen charter boats fillet kingfish too fast and it's all over so even if it's not from the fish they're working on it's all over the fillet table this is part of this isn't necessarily ikajime method but this is part of the bigger conversation of how do we harvest and store the freshest fish possible after we've gone through this whole effort and so when you're using dirty fillet knives rusty fillet knives dirty fillet tables a dirty cooler, you know, a dirty tailgate, all that stuff, you know, it's like you get to the finish line and you're tripping over yourself. That's a good point right there. I didn't, I, I'm rinsing mine down every time, but that's, I think it's an easy step for, to forget is this, the work area. Yeah. Or when you feel, so that's why, especially I love the bleeding out. It's not just for the quality of the meat. I don't have any blood really on my fillet table. Once you fillet and then you take that perfectly sterile, clean fillet and you flop it down in that juicy blood water on the fillet table, you just, 
<laughs> you just basically ruined all of everything that came before that. That hurts my heart to even to think about that after all that work. Yeah. Because you're, it's it, your work and it's respecting that animal. So yep. it's like you're, you're very close. And I think that's why this discussion is extremely valid. Yeah. Everybody, maybe some people have worked through a little process that works for them. And it's great to share that little nugget and say, hey, well, yeah, you know, I used to get too tired after fishing too. And so this is how I do it. Well, like you said, the first time and now, this isn't, we're all learning something new here. The, mm -hmm. the, you know, and you're going to make mistakes. If you don't, by all means, show me your way. Because, I, I mean, you're a pro. But it's okay yeah. to make mistakes. You're going to learn. And it takes time. And it's not a bad, it's not bad at all. So, um, every every time I do this, I learn a little. Or on this isn't. We can finish the ikajime, but what we're talking about is taking all these little refined steps of something somebody else figured out, so that your finished product is improves every time. When I said to you, "Have you ever taken the scales off your pompano?" <laughs> you sent scales? me an emoji of a face all screwed up. It was like the screwed up face emoji. I was like, what? <laughs> and I said, I know. Just try it. It's like a mackerel. And then you were like, wait, what again? <laughs> and, so, and so, but that's a big deal. Did you try it? I did. I, and I will fully admit here on my own show that, yes, I did not realize the pumpkin had scales. <laughs> I was like, it's just got skin. It's all nice and pretty. And then you're like, yeah, and no, you can do that. it's not a big deal. You can <laughs> eat it. But the fact of the matter is, those, A, nobody really wants to eat scales if you don't have to. Yeah. But B, they're trapping a little tiny bit of moisture between that layer of scales and that layer of skin. And when you want to get a very fine crisp on any protein, it needs to be dry. And so when you take the scales off and then you thoroughly dry it with paper towels, your crispy skin is going to, you know, it's going to be fire. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, I do. I do still reply in emojis. And also, if you ever text me, I will reply in, uh, in uh, GIFs as well. <laughs> okay. That's uh, fine. <laughs> I can play that. I, I like so, your style. Yeah, I just, I just think when we all add little nuggets like that then everybody's end game levels up you know and that's exactly what, what you're talking about why we're here yep so to not overdo this i just want to talk a little bit about the big scientific words so people know yep. a little bit about what's happening to this animal and why we're taking this step all when, right let's go okay so you don't want the fish to suffocate in the cooler and exert energy and biochemicals and hormones that start the decomposition process. So we use the brain spike, step one. When we do that and we instantly hit the, hit the brain and kill the fish, it cannot produce hormones like adrenaline um, and cortisol. And it does not exert stress, which can create lactic acid or um, the stress can also raise the body temperature, the core temperature of a fish, which is maybe more relevant in a tuna than, than a pompano, but it's still relevant. So when we quickly dispatch the fish with the brain spike, we're eliminating those processes from occurring. And when we bleed it out, we are flushing 
the blood, the bacteria, the toxins out of, of the meat. And then when we insert the wire and destroy the spinal cord, we are delaying rigor mortis. Essentially, what that means, if anyone has taken a fish out of the cooler and needed to use both hands to flatten it before you could fillet it, that's because rigor mortis has already set into that fish. When you press down on it, you destroy the proteins of the meat. It can cause the meat to break. A lot of times you see those like rips in it, that's called gaping. Um, and A, it destroys the structure of the meat, it rips it. And B, it's a point, another point of contamination, possible contamination. So there are natural processes that the fish goes through when it is dying. Um, and we stop that, those processes, or at least delay them from occurring. The result is meat that is in its natural state and is free of those biochemicals and hormones. So the fish that I've had in my refrigerator for four days, five days a week has zero odor. When you say that a fish has a fishy smell, that is not natural. A fish's natural smell is briny like the ocean. If you smell something that's off-putting and quote-unquote fishy, what we naturally, you know, what we've begun to just commonly call fishy smell is actually that bacterial gassing, it's adrenaline, it's cortisol, it's lactic acid. That is what is creating those odors and that is what no one wants to eat. So you're talking about extremely fresh fish that if you keep in paper towels dry because moisture is the enemy, running it under water or having it wet or leaving it in a gallon bag so you get that pink juicy water at the bottom, that is just your meat, you know, decomposing, basically. So I keep it in paper towels, I keep it very dry in the fridge, and then I'm not in a rush to eat it in the first one, two, three days. I can eat it in three days, four days, I can continue to share it so I don't need to freeze it and then throw it out in six months when I clean out my freezer. Um, and again, it has zero odor, which is a huge factor, not just the taste, but when you unwrap fish four days later in the fridge and you say this has zero odor, it's clear evidence that this method works or creates a huge difference in quality. And I will attest to it <laughs> because it, at first I was like, all right, I don't know if I believe it. Let's see how it goes with the dry aging and making it last for long a while and it did uh, i think i went five days on one fillet uh, i set the next day aside just in case because i was like all right if i get sick i'll be good to go now I, I got a day off uh and i will happily say it was fine uh the flavor was great uh no smell just tasted really good so it this works even with my non-refined palate i could tell so um when I'm going to keep a fish that long, we haven't done this yet, Brian, so uh -huh. we'll save this for the next, <laughs> next, next installment. <laughs> but 
I well, I core the fish and I clean the cavity with that brush that I sent you. Yeah, it's like a a big toothbrush because if you've ever noticed, when you do clean out the cavity, there's kind of a membrane inside, and when you peel that back, all along the the spinal vertebrae is that real black stuff that almost looks like bloodline. Yeah, the jelly. It's not jelly. It's um <laughs> the vestigial kidneys, and so when I age the fish that long i use um kitchen shears i cut off all the fins and i scrub out the whole cavity and then i stuff it and dry it and all that so we'll we'll get to there on the next time okay yeah makes sense i always cut that out if i if i i've always if i'm doing a whole pompano i've always cut that center line and got all that junk out of there but well, with the, when you talked about the brush, I was like, well, that's a lot easier than what I was doing, just cutting and using the hose in my finger. Yes, exactly. You have to dig that out, right? I mean, yeah. so it's, it's once you get into this and then you, I tell you that's the next step and you're like, well, I can see that. I don't really want that stuff sitting in there on my knee either. So, um, you know, I think it's great. We can continue to learn and figure out some new steps together. And hey, I hey. think I would love to uh, hear any not just questions from any listeners but any personal experiences well so far as i know um <clears throat> hopefully some more kits are coming up here to the panhandle um i've had numerous people like hey yeah the group i fish with you know i was out with mike justin and jeremiah uh so the four of us were all fishing together and i, I showed them the brain spike and i showed them what i was doing and after every pompano they're walking over to me and I'm like, what's up they're like borrow the brain spike like, oh it's right there on the cart watch them Hey, good job. You got it. You yeah. know, everybody's yeah. going through the process and it's, it's growing and I yeah. think it's great. It's uh, again, I fully believe in this. So yeah, it, it's not as hard as it sounded. Um, there will be, there's plenty of videos that are starting. Um, I put a somewhat one on TikTok that I needed to adjust, even though I'd already had it kind of, I was behind. I, I, I left out some steps, but it's still, the process is really simple and the payoff is huge. Even if you're not selling the fish, I mean, we're not all commercial anglers. We're out there getting our own dinner. The not, I guess the, the best way for me to say this in another non-exact PC way is you're preserving your catch for a couple more days in the fridge. If you follow the things that we, you've heard in here, you know, the two-day thing, you, know, you always hear, oh, two days and it's gone. Well, yeah, you can do that or you can freeze it, sure. But you're also prolonging a little bit more time if you know that hey look i'm going to be able to eat these through the week if, if you're like me i can't i get in a set like my limit i was eating pompano every day because i it was good um i saved one for one more day um tomorrow equals one week um tomorrow i'm making my last pompano that i've been aging because i believed in this i'm like all right i'm going to try it and see how far i can push um and i've been checking it making sure it's good i've got a nice have you Tried a piece raw, Brian? No. Okay. <laughs> Not yet. Everyone so tells me it's I safe. Want, when like, you oh. listen, I want is so in order to really compare a fish, you should try a piece completely raw of fresh pompano, three day pompano, five day pompano. Okay. That's your baseline, completely raw bite. And then because pompano is kind of already a fatty fish. I would recommend just a tiny bit of salt, soy sauce, or a sprinkle of salt, but I would pick soy sauce, and then a tiny bit of acid. So 
right? Because when you talk about taste, you're talking about acid, you're talking about salt, you're talking about fat. And what you're creating when you dry age, we haven't gotten to this step, is umami. So the longer you dry age something, the more that the um, glutamides break down, I believe that's how you say it, glutamides, not glutamines, they break down and the more glutamide degradation you have, the more rich and stronger umami flavor that you're creating, which is the fifth flavor, right? Fifth, fifth taste. So take one little steamy slice of the pompano and dip it in a tiny bit of soy sauce or hit it with a little lemon and salt and see what you think. Okay. I mean, now I have to go fish again. Oh, no, not that. Anything but that. <laughs> well, I want to hear what you think. <laughs> no, no problem. You know, I'll text you, you on that one. You did a good job today. Well, I'm glad that we got to do this again. And I agreed with you when we talked about it that it needed to happen. I mean, this this process is a very good thing. It's going to prolong. Uh, I mean, it's going to be good for edibility, but also for future you know hey look i dispatched my fish well i did this job right i kept it clean i did this all the process to get to the table it's making i think what you're trying to say which is very important to me is your food supply your food chain control and whether that's people that hunt or whether that's people that have gardening whether that's people that try to you know especially hook and cook you are in control of your food supply and now the ikijime method is helping you take better control of that protein that you're bringing home if you talk to people that hunt they'll tell you they dry age their venison this is just something that we haven't yet started to apply to fish and now we are oh thank you again and i mean that seriously yeah this was great i'm glad we did it me too uh, anything else we want to add in on this episode, or do we want to wait for another round? Next round. All right. Well, we will just have to talk to you next time then. Cool. That sounds good. <laughs> Hopefully we'll have some questions and, and then some more steps. Absolutely. I know we will. And uh, we'll get it all tagged cool. up on Facebook. Thank you, Brian. I will Thank talk you. to you soon. Okay. See ya. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. We just really nailed into it there. Uh, I really hope that you were able to take a little bit more information from this episode uh, as we really tried uh, to get a better process. So if this was helpful for you, don't forget to like, subscribe, share this out. If you have questions, send them in. We will happily answer them. And if you're looking to get your hands on the EKGMA kit, you can order it from the EKGMA Federation with the discount code from Allison. That's Real Love F L E K G M A E I K E J I M E. It'll also be in the uh, lower area. It'll be in the comment or in the, the thread. <laughs> You'll find it. I'll make sure you do. Uh, uh, I was asked before what I'm using. I got the red and the orange. Uh, or I got the orange one. Works out just fine for Pompano. Uh, one thing that I will add is uh, when you're coiling it back up, don't overcoil it because you'll break it. Ask me how I know. Yeah, that happened. So, all right. Thanks so much for sticking around. I appreciate you. I'm really glad you were here. I hope this helped you. Have a great week. Take care, and we'll see you next time here on Finding Demo Surfishing. I'm out. (laughs) 